Welcome to Podcast IRC, conversations with Indigenous scholars to advance understandings and gain new knowledge, hosted by the Indigenous Research Center at Salish Kootenai College. All right, so that was um, Ellen Big Sam. She was singing uh, what you call the Sin Ka Ka'a. And the, the Sin Ka Ka'a was a, there was a large number of these types of songs. And they were sung during uh, during uh, the beginning or the, the preparation of a, of a battle or a big hunting party. And um, I guess before there was a lot of uh, other dances they would perform, maybe a war dance of some sort. But this was kind of the last, the last, uh, I guess the last kind of performance, not performance, but the last kind of songs they would sing before the the warriors would leave or the hunters would leave. But they would all gather together. Um, they would take a, a hide, maybe a, a robe, old buffalo robe, and they'd start going from teepee to teepee, hitting on this robe and um, singing these these different this, these different sin kaka'a. They call them these different songs. And if somebody wanted to join the party, the uh, the guy would come out and start singing along with them. And next thing you know, the as they go before each of the teepees, you know, they're really calling for people to come and join the, the party, the hunting or war party. And the group would grow larger and larger. And um, I guess in uh, more recent times, they used to use the canvas instead of the the robes. So the this dance got got named the canvas dance by the anthropologist who come and witness some of these things but in the old times it was a hide so they'd uh they'd um, form these parties during this time while they're singing these sin ka ka songs and then uh before the before the um the singers had reached the end of all the teepees by that time the the ones who are going to go off to war or battle or to their onto their hunting parties they would sneak off before the end of this uh, this little um, this little singing endeavor uh, was over. So in this particular song, you know, there was a lot of uh, I guess deeds narrated or or battles narrated during these songs. And in this particular song, there, she's she's telling she's saying what's happening. She's saying that we're that 
I'm driving my horse, like I'm whipping my horse, like really getting it going. Because if I don't, something's going to break me. Something's going to kind of, kind of defeat me in that way. So she's kind of narrating something maybe that had happened in the past. But I thought this was kind of an appropriate song in a way, because uh, a lot of uh, native people, you know, we have to, we have to make a small sacrifice or maybe it's a large sacrifice, but we have to leave our homes. We have to, uh, we have to go off to these uh, academic institutions to gain these degrees or these uh, additional tools of knowledge that might help our communities. So in the same way, I, I, I was uh, envisioning kind of our, our younger people, you know, they're trying to decide what to do at the end of their, uh, their, um, their childhood or their teen years. And um, the, the way to send them off could have been similar to this, sending them off to, to do the battle in, the, in sometimes these academic institutions. So um, with our guest today, I know that you've, uh, you've sacrificed a great deal to be away from your homelands to complete your degree. You've gone off quite a ways, I think even all the way to the other side of the country. And um, just kind of curious, I guess, after you maybe can provide us just a brief introduction, but let us know how that uh, how that journey was for you and how you feel that that sacrifice has helped you to, uh, I guess, endeavor in a way to help your your people today. Yeah, so hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Joy LaFrance. My Psalogan name is Eugene Machlish, which means fortunate with horses. I'm 24 years old. I come from the Greasy Mouth clan, and I'm a child of the Taizabunba clan. Um, I was born and raised on the Crow Reservation, located in southeastern Montana. Um, I have a twin sister, and I come from a family of about uh, four other siblings. Um, and I have a niece and um, nephew. And I am a seventh generation um, descendant from Chief Pretty Eagle. Um, I grew up in the Mighty Few District, even though my mother's family is from the Black Lodge District. Um, I decided to move across the country uh, to attend undergrad uh, at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. Um, I'm mm. not sure why I wanted to get as far away as I possibly could <laughs> for uh, <laughs> my higher education, but yeah. I did. I actually had the dream of going to school on the East Coast when I was in middle school. Um, worked really hard to make it happen. And so had a very good time at Dartmouth. I majored in, I double majored in Earth Sciences and Native American Studies. After that, yeah. I ended up taking a year off and moved back home um, when I finished um, uh, in, on the East Coast. And I worked for the Crow Environmental Health Steering Committee. And mm -hmm. just an amazing group of people who have been doing grassroots work, um, specifically looking, trying to combat water contamination, um, specifically um, home wells, private wells on our reservation. And so very grateful for them. They took me under their wing and um, exposed me to a lot more of uh, water contamination issues that um, occurs on our reservation. And so... Um, through that year working with them, I was also applying to graduate school and I knew that the University of Arizona was pretty big on water issues, um, especially being here mm -hmm. in the Southwest, but also working with tribes um, and doing uh, very good work in um, partnering with tribes or working with indigenous students. And so I was 
um, yeah. drawn to that. And so um, I ended up applying to U of A and other schools, uh, chose U of A, and I am working under the guidance of Dr. John Trover and Dr. Carlotta Chief, who are both in the Department of Environmental Sciences. So now mm. I'm about to start my third year of my PhD. Um, I'm in an oh. accelerated program, so I went straight into a PhD program. It's a five-year program, um, secured fellowships, so I'm fully funded, super grateful for that. I have um, two yeah. grants that are currently funding my uh, pilot uh, study research um, to get me going on really trying to figure out the, the concrete direction of where my actual dissertation research is going. Um, huh. And so I have one more semester left of coursework and I will take my qualifying exams in the spring and then do my dissertation work and hopefully defend in May 2023. So that's kind of where I am. Um, been away from home for quite a while. Been in school yeah. for a really long time. Ever since I was five years old, my mom always says that to my siblings. <laughs> she's like, no, you have to go to school. Your sister's been in school since she's been five. So <laughs> and she's still in school. <laughs> You got so, no excuse. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I feel like I've been in school forever, but um yeah. glad to see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm almost there. Yeah. That's pretty good, you know. That's um, you know, uh probably um pretty unique uh experience right there to be to to stick to it, to be young and to be at the end of the doctorate. You know, I went to school with some some folks like that, you know, they were, they were, they didn't, they didn't party too much, <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't slack off and, you know, uh, go get in trouble or whatever. They just went continuously. And, and by the time they were in their uh, doctorate, they were, they were pretty young still, you know, they just stuck right to the, to the catalog, you know, mm -hmm. checked off the boxes, took all the classes. Boy, that's, a, that's a, congratulations. Good job. <laughs> that's <laughs> Thank a you. tough one. <laughs> It's been a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, it sounds easy when you when you hear it, but yeah, it's not. I'm sure it's not. So I guess the kind of question that I wanted to kind of ask you about that was, you know, how does uh, how does that time away, time away from your homelands, and um, you know, really understanding about your your own cultural pursuits in in your in your country, how does that uh, how did that shape uh, maybe a unique way for you to approach the research that you might be doing or that you have done now? Yeah. Um, so my doctoral research is specifically working on the Little Bighorn River. And the Little Bighorn River is uh, one of our staples um, of existence, I would say, for Upsalaga people. Um, we have three main river systems or watersheds that we rely on. And um, I've lived along the Little Bighorn River. So I relied on the Little Bighorn River watershed for basically my whole life. And um, our Crow people, re re we rely on these different watersheds. Um, and we also have non-natives who live on our reservation who share those watersheds as well. And so yeah. um, I've always, um, I've always known the river. I don't think I can ever remember not knowing the river was there. Um, and yeah. so I've always known that we we feed the river when the cotton falls um, and hmm. we do all of these things before we even go into the river. Um, but I also know that we use the river for um, ceremonial purposes. Um, we use river 
um, for sweat lodges, all of these things we use the river for. But I had this conception that it was the purest water um, because yeah. I lived along it and I so we went swimming in the river. We used it for almost everything. And so I, um, I, I didn't realize until working with the steering committee as well that there's all of these different sources of um, contamination that are going into the river. Uh, we may not yeah. see it, but they're present and they're there. And so um, the Little Bighorn River is, although it's the main river that um, I would say that fully, fully belongs to Crow people right now, just because of the way it's set up um, our reservation and um, the way the river is, it starts in the Bighorn Mountains and it ends and meets the Bighorn River at the end of our reservation. And so that river, yeah. it's smaller than the Bighorn River, and that comes from the Wind River Mountains in the uh, in Wyoming. And so we share yeah. that river with um, Wind River or with the Shoshone Arapaho people, but also all those yeah. people who use that river along the way. Um, but the Little yeah. Bighorn River is a little different. It flows 11 miles straight from the bighorns onto our reservation and then it only is on the reservation and so it's used by both huh. tribal and non-tribal members um but yeah. that river it, it truly is like in like in the lands of our people that are we still inhabit and so yeah. i i just um i mean i didn't know this at the time being younger um growing up along this but it was um learning more becoming more aware working with the steering committee that i started to learn these things, but also um, look at how people still use the river, but there, we know that these there's, there's these sources of contamination. And so yeah. um, I wanted to take a deeper look at that, especially um, with my doctoral work. Uh, the steering committee uh -huh. um, have done work in private wells. The Bighorn River is a world-renowned river, so there's so much research done on that river. Yeah. Um, and I always feel like I'm leaving out Prior Creek. So a shout out to Selena. <laughs> um, I would love to work on Prior Creek someday. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I grew up along the Little Bighorn River and it's just, it's provided for my people for many, many generations and it still does. And we need to do a better job of taking care of it. And so I wanted to yeah. take a, a, a deeper look at what's happening in that river but also bringing in the science, the hydrology, um, yeah. the story, bring all of that together um, and really figure out what's happening in this river so we can do a better job of um, taking care of it, protecting it for our uh, future generations. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty important. You know, um, uh, when we grow up, you know, we, we're, we get so used to things just existing and mm -hmm. we, we don't... Uh, and you know what the unfortunate part of that is uh in, in a way you know the the public school system or the school that we uh we go into as a younger people sometimes it doesn't really highlight those local features that we that would really reel us in and 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 draw our curiosity to those so we get to study uh you know the Nile River or the or the what is the one that goes through Europe that's pretty popular everybody talks about and we don't talk about our own own streams are, are in our own backyard. Of the River Thames. Yeah. The River Thames. I could be. <laughs> I just. I don't know. I don't know. I just googled it just a second ago. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> are we? Are we? You know, we, <laughs> we talk about the the river that flows that that caught on fire that 
you know, spawned a whole, the whole Clean Water Act, or that was part mm-hmm. of that, you know, passing of the Clean Water Act. But man, we, we don't pay attention to what local people are, are accustomed to seeing day in and day out. And we talked about this a little bit in, in some detail in past episodes, but how we can um, really engage in, uh, in the future of research for Native people you know, to, to formulate an indigenous research methodology. And it seems to be kind of centering around this idea that we need to create these experts uh, in research that are, are um, you know, uh, cultural or, you know, knowledgeable of culture, but of landscape too, mm-hmm. and start creating our own understanding and ways of teaching that. And I hate to use the word curriculum, but that's the educational term, you know, create curriculum that centers around the local place. Right, Aaron? Curriculum. What's the other word that you like to hear often? Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, pedagogy. No. Of, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> of the like rubric if I hear, if I hear understanding one more time. If I hear resilience. That's my favorite word. Resilience. Yeah, yeah. Gotta so try to work that right in. now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's got to appear on every page of your dissertation at least once. It's like in the, in the powwow <laughs> world, when you hear the word old style, just cringe. Oh, yeah. It's like, ah, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if anybody else, my other fellow colleagues here, have a question or something that they're curious about. Otherwise, I'll keep going, man, and I don't want to hear I, myself. I, I have a question. Let's hear it. Yeah, a burning it. question for Jory. Since we, um, oh gosh, we were we were okay, ready. <laughs> like, Let's put it out. Ready. Let's put it out. So we were very very fortunate to work <laughs> together on the on on an exhibit in Chicago, and we all contributed a piece of writing to to a book. They were calling the catalog, but it's a book. I mean, it's it's. It's a pretty remarkable what? piece of work. Oh, there it is, oh, right there. I did yeah. have You got to put your head there, right there. Look, she had it on the ready. It's we, a ca- we 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 <laughs> talked we talked before this, and I said, "You put that book right by." Get it. Yeah, yeah. Turn it, turn it to, uh, turn it to the part where I wrote something. Yeah, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to my and page, I, <laughs> many many like respected crow people contributed to the to the book. My sister, who's a remarkable writer contributed to the book myself but I, I in my opinion the person who stole the show with their writing was jewelry her piece of writing was was it was it poetic and it was all yeah. it was all of it. it was academic it was scientific but it did have a sense of like a human was writing writing it you know what i mean non, like non you, non-regional diction. yeah not not it didn't have a, a bo- <laughs> it didn't have a boston accent it didn't have no a biased, it was, biased present. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was pretty proud of what I wrote. I was like, man, I kind of knocked this out. And I was super late on it. I was super late on it. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I did it. But whatever. The day after and then, um, the deadline. Um, <laughs> I, I, a, a mutual friend said, I read Jory's. I got to read a sneak peek and it's pretty awesome. So I was like, yeah. oh, I have competition. <laughs> no, I didn't feel like you were. You felt like, like you were a competition. I was like, I was like oh, 
foiled again. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty bold of you. Foiled Nobody can again. beat this. Nobody can no, beat my writing. No one can beat. No, I didn't say that. Um, so when I read it, though, I was like, man, this is cool. <laughs> so my question to Jory is, okay. Um, did writing come natural to you or did you have to, especially when you're writing, like for me, writing isn't natural for me. I, I have a hard time with it. I came from the Crow public school system with a little bit of time in the prior public school system, which, well, let's not go there. No. Uh, <laughs> 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 it sounds like there's this thing against prior. <laughs> no, just, I didn't say I nothing about St. Charles. I yeah. didn't say nothing about First, we gotta Charles. we gotta mention Prior Crick, which seems to be a lesser crick. Thank you, than Jory. Well, in the no, crow language, no. it's not a crick. In the crow language, Prior Creek is not a crick. It's a river. It so is. Jory's just being biased because she lives by. Wait the now. Wait river. now. Wait now. Hold, hold on. Hey, I didn't know. What's that? the difference? What's the difference in the language between a river and a creek then? Ajia is a river and Ashgad is a creek. What, what's what's the difference between the two? Much like English, it's one means river and one's means little river. Well, okay, okay, there you go. Okay. Well, no, it doesn't mean that in English. Because river is no, a Spanish, No, that's what he's saying, it? though. Well, it's in the description, right? The prior yeah, Arrow but, Creek River is Alute Aja. It just means yeah. Arrow River. Okay. It doesn't but say I, but Arrow I, Creek. Well, I mean, in English, the, you don't say Ashgada. You can't. You can't distinguish between size between river and creek from it's the language. It's not that alone. distinguish. It's that's not what they're distinguishing, though. Is the size? It's the description of it. It's just the description. Yeah. We're not saying. Well, it's I want to know what the description is. What's the description? Arrow River. You guys are attacking me. I feel like <laughs> no, attacked. You're attacking because I want to get some clarity. Huh? <laughs> oh, Christ. Here we go. You want to talk about Kurdam? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> it's SKQ. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know dang well when you're talking to your family, you call it Kurdam. You know it's just darn well. You're just jealous. <laughs> well, we have a dam too. Do you want our dams to fight? <laughs> let's put them head to head see what happens yeah, yeah. i just my There's question is about your writing your writing it. is good okay okay i've i've read a lot of great pieces of writing yours was an except was an exceptionally good piece because it you were able to incorporate a whole lot of crow knowledge in a very very short amount of time which a lot of us were kind of asked to do that in in these pieces uh, that we wrote um but yours was like jam packed. So uh, my question is, how'd you do it? Um. Well, I remember when we met back in April 2019, um, when kind of the the cohort came together, and we were all given the amount of writing, or I guess the word count. Our letters. And I talking about yeah, our letters. For, yeah. Yeah, well, for like the pieces of writing, we were given a, a word limit. And so um, I was really surprised. Uh, I like, I don't know, I just have to give a lot of like gratefulness to uh, Nina because she really believes in me. Um, Nina Sanders, who was one the co curator of the Absolute Women and Warriors exhibit. And so I think if it had not been for her confidence in me, I don't think I would have wrote this as easily as it as I was able to um because I was really nervous you know going into Chicago with this like pretty amazing team of pro people artists scholars 
knowledge holders and just um, just to be in that room with people who were doing really great work. And so I was really intimidated because I was one of the younger ones. Um, but I was also super surprised when Nina gave me a 3,000 word limit um, and gave everyone else but you, Erin. She gave you 3,000 words, <laughs> um, but yeah. gave everyone else 1,000 words. And <laughs> I, was, I was. I don't know. You didn't have that. <laughs> Sorry. I think I only wrote like 2,200 words. So yeah, you should have got the 1,000 words. <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to do that. Um, but anyway, so I was... I had to pay him back the balance. No, I'm just Pay him back 500 words. Yeah, like, uh, I got to give him back. It's not like rollover minutes. Words? No. <laughs> it's not like they don't roll over. Roll over. <laughs> and so anyways... um. When I was given that word limit, I was actually like really, really surprised. Um, but we, after I left Chicago and we were, had to have our draft done in September, I, I honestly, I, I did not start writing until like end of August. Um, I would try to write. I had my document like set up back in May, um, and I tried to figure out how I wanted to do it, um, but I just. For some reason, I couldn't do it. Um, but I think it was actually like after Crow Fair um, when I came back down to Arizona and I um, started school. It was like a week after I started school. I just like dedicated like a whole Sunday to just like sit down and write um, because I kept getting emails from the new bower. They're like, OK, send it to us. Give it to us. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't even started so I like mm -hmm. I dedicated this whole day, um, but I I knew I had an idea, a kind of like a storyline that I wanted to do, um, but I it was hard for me to write. Um, but I think it wasn't until after like Crow Fair that I was like kind of grounded or like brought back to where I needed to be, and I was like able to like go again. Um, Crow Fair always does that for me because I'm away at school and then I come back home and I'm like with everyone. And so I think it, it was, it was good to be with everyone and back in um, our homelands. And so it really helped me a lot. And um, I titled the writing. Um, I actually didn't title it until after I wrote it, um, but it's called the land that raised us. But I had um, mm. included this other piece called letter to my people um which i had put that put that at the end of the writing um and nina had asked me to write on uh, land and water because that's uh, my research and a lot of the work that i do and um I, that's a big task i was super intimidated by that because there's um, a lot of people who know a lot more than i do um and so I um I just went with it and I started writing, but I wanted to start it out, um, like I wanted to make sure I was telling that story, but also including um like this valuable knowledge that people needed to know to understand the story. Um, but I wanted to make it a, a piece of writing that was educational or that would be counted um as like a scholarly piece of writing. Um, so I did use citations, but I cited. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to cite people who worked in our communities, um, like Dr. Tim McCleary. I've cited um, uh, some mm -hmm. of Aaron's work um, and then some of uh, the dissertation work from our other Absala guest scholars. So I wanted to be as um, 
resourceful to absolvate people as possible. Um, and so, uh, basically what you're telling us is you're, in, you went to Crow and you were inspired. Um, I'm sure Kamiai wants to jump in on this at some point because she's, she, uh, teaches writing mm-hmm. and she's she, a literary, she's genius. a, li- li- she's a, she's really a, a <laughs> wordsmith. If Thank you will, you. but yeah. the, the, uh, uh, the, the reason I, don't I brought think this Smith up. is is gender neutral, <laughs> so come up with a different name. Uh, she's a she's a, um, the Van Gogh of language. <laughs> Again, he was crazy. So thank but you. No, I didn't say Picasso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Picasso. <laughs> she's the she's uh, a word Sally. A word Sally. A word? Why do you? Why? What's the deal? Are we a, <laughs> I don't understand where we're no, going. With it. Just keep going. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm just. I'm just. Okay, go. I'm sorry. I'm done. You're all right. The reason I brought this up is because I would like to hope that some of your academic writing would reflect what you produced in the catalog, and and I I would like to know, and maybe Cami, I can jump in here because someone who teaches writing in the tribal college. Who is there anything that we can do in academics to promote that kind of writing for the sciences, for the humanities? It, it just seemed to be a, a more a grounded writing, but also and 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 I'm not trying to take away anything that other people wrote. It's just that Jory's our guest today, so um, yeah. and her writing was good. But everybody, I was pretty impressed with everybody's writing. I'm just, the amount of information that was in her document was a lot. Like there was a lot of information in it, but it still Mm -hmm. wasn't like overwhelming and it wasn't cluttered. So I was thinking, man, that's, it's impressive that someone of your age, Jory, can do that because I still can't do that. And, and, but it was never taught to me either. So Cami, I may be you can shed some light on is, is that something people teach or, or foster or I don't know. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I mean, I, I am really interested in this because um, like there, there seem to be a lot of beliefs people have about writing, right. And not just about what good writing is, but what you need in order to do it. And so on the one hand, you know, it's like some people, some people are just good at it. It's like an innate thing. And um, other people, it's like, it's a, it's a skill that can be acquired. You can learn it like anything else. And I mean, I get it that, that those ideas um, are going to influence it. But um, I guess what, what I'm interested in is, um, kind of some basic questions because you were talking about the story that you wanted to tell and um, that that there was some information that was required to understand it. And so you, it sounds like you had you had this thing that you wanted to say. And so I'm interested in kind of these ideas about like, well, who are who are you interested in saying it to, and. And how did you want them to receive it? And like, I mean, were you were you, you thinking about, um, you know, this being in kind of the academic world? Or were you thinking that like, there's somebody I want to read this and it's not, do you, 
So I'm wondering who, who you felt like you were writing to, who you really felt needed to hear your message. And if, yeah. um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think when we first convened to talk about um, the book or the catalog for the exhibit, um, we really wanted it to be a scholarly piece. And I think um, the overarching goal for the catalog was to basically create a um, contemporary piece of writing written by Uppsala Gas scholars um, that future Uppsala Gas scholars can use to cite or refer to. Um, so that's why I really wanted to um, make it kind of uh, an academic piece of writing, but still uh, keep that raw storyline in it. Um, so I used my sources when I needed to um, because I I wanted to make sure that um, one day if one of our um, youth decides to write a paper and they pick up this book and they choose this piece of writing um, that I wrote that they would be able to um, go and cite that. And so I think that was the um, goal that I, the main goal that I took from when we convened. Um, so that's kind of the how I picked the audience for the larger piece, which is the land that raised us. Um, but I did feel the need to talk specifically and directly at um, Crow people. So that's why I included letter to my people. Mm -hmm. And so I referred, I don't say like you, 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 I say we throughout that whole thing. Um, and so I, um, I kind of did a little bit of both. One piece of writing was trying to, to do that academic style type writing to make sure that um, it can be um, cited and used as a source but I also wanted to speak directly to my people to um, have them open this book and have a piece of writing that's speaking directly to them, even if um, they don't think my other piece of writing speaks directly to them, it's just speaking about us or however they choose to reflect or interpret that. Um, I just wanted at least one piece of writing to speak directly at them mm -hmm. and um, to them. I mean, do you think that when you write, like it sounds like you're consciously thinking about who um well your your tribe so do you think that when you're somehow like representing them you write differently than you would if you were somehow like another phd candidate at the university of arizona um i i wouldn't say i guess in terms of um like vocabulary and certain language, um, especially with academic and intellectual pieces of writing, um, I definitely have to change that style a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and so, yeah, I would say a little bit of the language is um, different than the letter that I um, write in the catalog. Mm -hmm. um, but I still talk about much of the same um, values or themes and stories that's in the um, larger piece, the land that raised us. Um, so there's, it's interconnected, um, but the language in the bigger piece, the land that raised us, is different, different to um, fall along uh, the lines of the language that academia or these scholar pieces of writing um, would mm -hmm. necessarily have. Yeah. 
I mean, that's something that I come across a lot and people sort of push back at this idea that they've got to um, adopt a different style. And mm. um, like, was that something that bothered you? I mean, how did you negotiate that? Um, yeah, I think it does. Um, I mean, even in a lot of my writings in my courses, I, I would prefer to write um, in the style where I'm speaking to my people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do a lot of both of the, those types of writing, um, mostly uh, scholarly, academic type research papers is what I do most of right now. Um, but I still like the way, especially relating to my research, I definitely would like to search for a different way to communicate my research and to disseminate my data. Um, I would like to stray away from the old academia path, antiquated, you know, whatever um, we have set up. Um, I'd like to either like do a film or I don't know, something along those lines. I've always um, wanted to go against the status quo or what we're supposed to be doing or find a better way because I always if I can't explain what I'm doing to my own people to my family to my friends my cousins then like what am I doing like what what is the purpose of this if I can't just simply explain it to them and so I'm not doing this research for me just to like do it for fun and just get a PhD like no I I have a purpose in this research and if I can't Hmm. communicate it to my people then it's purposeless for me. And so I, um, I'm working on that. I've applied to different uh, scholarships and fellowships that uh, work on science communication because I really wanted to become good at that um, and make sure that we understand what's happening um, because what's, what good is it going to do if I'm the only one that can understand it? Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely am working on that. And so I'm still in the learning process with all of this. Um, my writing, um, it's still growing it's evolving. It's definitely evolved since I started undergrad, my freshman year at Dartmouth. I look at some of my writings and I'm like, whoa, like what was I even trying to say? I, st- I still do and that. So, and then, <laughs> and so <laughs> when I look at this piece in the catalog, it's just, this is, I'm really, really proud of this piece. Um, and my writing has come a long ways and it's taken so much work. Honestly, I probably could have so many books written if I just compiled all the papers and assignments I've done. <laughs> I've done a lot of writing, so I've had a lot of practice and it took a lot of work and I'm really proud of where it has come, um, but also where it may go. Yeah. Would, would you consider yourself a writer or do you consider yourself a writer? Um, I would say so. Uh, I I don't only write um, for science. Do you write limericks? Like my data. Do I write what? You <laughs> said limericks. Uh, yeah, do you write come limericks? Come on. Do you write limericks? Come on. I'm not that old. <laughs> just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. Oh. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> Aaron's compiling an anthology of limericks. I have been for quite some time and looking for <laughs> publishers if anyone's listening. hey let's um let's listen to this next song how about that and we'll um we'll um we'll continue this because this is an interesting one we've talked about this with a couple guests we've had about 
and and I think it's becoming an emerging part of this methodological approach is how we communicate what native or indigenous people do to make it really work in our communities. I think that's really really important. So let's um let's listen to this. Uh, I think Aaron's going to provide us with the with the explanation. Yes, Aaron, I, I can. No, no, you have to. Well, we'll see what song you play. What's the one you sent? I jokes. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> we, yes, I will. All right, let's do it then. <laughs> okay, here we go. He went up uh, above the rock, and then he started to sing his song, his uh, creation song, and then he said, and then he sang. And then he immediately blew in the mud and it scattered all over. And because there was very little mud, our land, we have different sizes of land. This this is pretty interesting to me because um, in some versions of the crow creation story, there's a song mentioned, and um, <clears throat> and in the Hiratsa version of the the creation story, which is is similar to the crow version, but growing up, you know, you would hear the creation story, or and and the reality is, is most crow youth don't hear the whole creation story. This is kind of a lie we hmm. we tell ourselves. Now we hear a small part, which is this part about the ducks going into the water. But the the narrative itself is really long. But in there, uh, in some of the versions, the creator who is called Egypt Balia, he'll um, sing a song. He sings a song, and then he creates humans. Um, but you never hear the song, and I've only heard men- made mention of it from several, uh, just a couple different storytellers and then the Hiratsas. So um, when I asked Grant about it, on several occasions, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, there is a song, but never really could track him down until we were in a hotel room in Chicago, which sounds like Mm. a mob story. Um, (laughs) uh, But actually one time, you and I, Shandine, when we were at Indiana University at the – archive of traditional music i found a version yeah. of that song being sung by bull oh. snake in 1908 so that was kind of pretty cool so it kind of oh. i was like man there so there really is a song um did they did they match up well or was it the style change um i would say they matched but the the reason I, yeah. why i was hesitant to it because grant himself is um a completely different type of singer than somebody in yeah. 1908. As you know, by listening yeah. to those old recordings yeah, yeah. at first glance, yeah. they're going to be like different, right? You're like, Oh, that's different. Yeah. But as you listen to it, you're like, Oh, okay. The tempo is different. The tone is different. Pitch is different. Yeah. Uh, I think to a trained ear, Clearly say, the same. they're the same song. Yeah. So yeah. it was pretty cool because I was like, man, this is neat. And, and um, there's a, uh, many crow ceremonies that reflect this idea of singing a song while the, the medicine is being made. They'll, they'll say, while we're making medicine, we'll, we'll sing this song. So, and unfortunately many crow, most crow people, 95% of the crow people living today, when you hear the crow creation story, you don't hear the song. So, hmm. so I was like, well, hmm. we'll, we'll play it on this. So, 
so our Scandinavian yeah. audience can hear the song. And uh, <laughs> as you know, our, our audience in Albania. We've got quite the international international following. I'm still upset that one download in Canada. We got to get our First Nations people <laughs> involved. Yeah. We got to get them on board. Yeah, I don't, just don't yeah, understand. We gotta, maybe we got to use First Nations more. Treaty Six hashtag Treaty Six. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the song. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> what? what you, got, you got? You got something for us though after that? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. You, you told me to describe the song. I'm well, describing the song. Well, I yeah, I had a little more expect, expectation. That's cool. Though. What was the expectation? It was sung in a four Nothing, four time. You're good. Um, <laughs> at a uh, 139 beats per minute yeah. tempo. <laughs> the meter a, uh, standard the meter. pentatonic scale with a minor every fifth good in the second girl bar does fine. <laughs> what, what do you want? What do you want from me? Oh, I thought you were gonna come up with something like a question of some sort after that, like it was related to what we're talking to. Do, do any of you sing like no, right? Okay. Hold on. <laughs> so I'm interested in this because I'm wondering, like, what you think of the removal of the song? Like, the do you think that was maybe influenced by like an expectation, like? All right, this is the piece of it that it was influenced by the okay. church. I'm gonna say it I, by the church, you said. Church. Well, it has to be because okay, at first glance, you're like, oh, maybe you guys don't know the song, they don't know whatever. What it is is that yeah. crows believe, like many tribal people, when you sing, you pray twice. I say that a song is twice yeah. as potent as a prayer. So the notion yeah. of praying during creation is vastly different than praying after the completion of something. Now, this philosophy uh, didn't exist prior to the church. So <clears throat> I, I, I've heard a number of people say, Crow people never prayed for the food when they would serve it. They prayed for it while they made it. So that's mm. a different idea, mm. right? It's a different kind of thing. But the church came in yeah. and the influence is like after you do it after you made your plate. Some crows would say, well, the damage is done. If it's healthy or not healthy mm. for you, it's already made. Right. Know? So they would say you make right, right. you while you're creating, you pray for it. Yeah. And so and and the same thing has affected the way we we um smudge, I guess. That's a weird word, smudge, but so we'll take cedar, bare root, sage, whatever, sweet grass. We'll light it, and people always say prayers up, right? And and you'll and you'll pray prayers up, and you'll pray or whatever, you know, whatever. That's what you say on Facebook? Facebook prayers up. Yeah. Hashtag prayers, up. prayers or just up. prayer, or just prayers. Just prayers. Do you really pray prayers when you type that, or do you prayers. do you do it after, or have you already done it? Anyway, go ahead. Well, that's I guess that's I the know. point. So what I was told is when you pick the the uh, when you pick <laughs> I'm trying to get back on track here. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm in the Go. weeds. Um yeah. when you pick when you pick the whatever it is you're gonna use to, for a smudge, that's when you pray for it. 
So you make a wish for that thing, whatever that is, the sage, the sweet grass, and you'll say, when this is used, good fortune will come to wherever, whoever, or whatever, you know. So it that's yeah. different than saying, let's light a smudge and then we'll pray. Well, you can just pray. That's what my grandma used to say. Well, just pray. <laughs> like, you know, like you don't need to do all that. Just pray. There's a reason for ceremony. Yeah. Ceremony is is the reenactment of something or it's the uh it is a, a contract between the creator and us by saying, when you do this, then this will happen, right? So the idea of removing the song from the creation story is just as impactful as the church changing the name for God from Egypt Balia right. to Agbadak Dia. That's very that's that's for a spiritual community that has a powerful impact on it, right? On it's the idea of you pray during creation, not after it. And I think that's a powerful yeah. thing when you when you think about it. But that's my opinion. Yeah. I'm not an expert on anything. And come on. Okay. Don't so do this. It, <laughs> Don't disclaim. Yeah, no, okay. sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Just <laughs> focused, right? Really, really focused on the whole writing because this is my thing. So okay. when I go too far, Dial just in. like yeah. me um, No. But, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I wonder about like the writing you do and how much of that, like, and everybody, like when you are writing, do you have like this really, really clear intention and like you have this purpose for it and this is what you want it to do? Or are you just like, somebody told me to, a uh, instructor told me to, I have to do this to meet some qualification to get published or to you know it just it, it it serves that kind of um like credentialed kind of a thing so like when you talk about all the writing you've done since you started college you know everybody has the stack of papers how many maybe this is my question how many of those do you think actually mattered and then do you think that you had some intention? I mean, I got to say, like, do you feel that it mattered, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then did you have that really clear intention and purpose as you were doing that? Or do you think that it kind of um, just happened as a result of you were doing a lot of writing? I think... I think, okay, so there's many different types of writing that we do in college, right? And so I think as far as like assignments and research papers that were assigned in our courses, um, I really tried to be intentful in picking research topics that would either get me more knowledge on something that will um, help me farther down the line to attain a goal or I do a paper on something related to my people or the land we come from so I was always trying to relate it to me I guess Um, and I've noticed um, and I think I this reminds me of um like an internship I did in Chicago the summer before I came to the U of A, um, I had to do an internship for one of my fellowships in order to receive the fellowship. And so I was at um, the Fermi National Accelerator Lab in, outside of Chicago. 
And um, even when I interned at the Department of Energy in DC, my work was involving tribes or it was specifically, it. I was fortunate that I could work with my tribe directly um, somehow. <laughs> and so I was working with um, tribes or my people um, but when I was in Chicago, I wasn't working with one. I was the only native there, um, but I wasn't working on a project that was impacting native people. Um, so I found that that internship was extremely hard to do. Um, even just writing the report for it, I ended up writing like a 10 page report on the topic I had to research for that summer. And it just, it just seems so bland and just like going through mm. the motions type writing. And mm. I, I, it was hard for me to do that. And I, I mean, granted it like gave me skills to write in the technical, the science um, sense um, that I do need for my research. Um, not saying that I, we shouldn't be doing that or I hate that, but it was a skill I was learning, but it was hard for me to do it. Um, but I still learned that skill. Um, whereas all of my other pieces of writing, it involves um, tribal people or my people specifically. And I tried to be intentful in that way because it makes it easier to do. Um, hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> as far yeah. as choosing papers that really actually matter, I'd probably say like three. No. <laughs> From like undergrad that are like, okay, maybe I could like edit this a little bit and uh, publish it but who knows um, but yeah I mean we all know we've all done higher education we have these different uh, pieces of writing but I've always tried to be intentful in what I do and um, try to find small ways to relate it back to me because that's what hmm. keeps me going even if they're hmm. just baby steps I'm still going forward hmm. that was a good question that's really good advice it made me think it made me think about yeah. it. It's like, ah, yeah. You need to write with garbage, more intent, man. there, Aaron. Garbage. Quit trying to write to impress, <laughs> and just write with people. some intent. Just write for the people. Just write for the people. For the you know, I did a, uh, <laughs> I did a, I did a book report, and I think it must have been third grade on Poland. Yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know. Why I did a book report on Poland, Poland but I always remembered it. Loads in Poland. I think we do have some downloads in <laughs> yeah, Poland. Right, that but yeah, and I don't I don't know why it was it was so remarkable I'd remember it. But you know, I want to hear from Selena because she's right at the end or has finished. She's in the dark. Her final <laughs> I, know. I know she's the shadowy figure. I look like she's finished. Yeah. You look like who? I I don't know, I look scary. <laughs> you look right like now. those ghosts on um, <laughs> the movie Ghost. <laughs> Don't say that. The movie is <laughs> like shadow. They're just like I know that really poor CGI yeah. before CGI. It was she's gonna turn a light on. And you. It didn't help. <laughs> yeah, it didn't CGI'd yourself in oh. the film. Okay, yeah. So Selena, you're right at the end of your writing uh, process. Yes. What 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 would you? What kind of advice or what kind of uh, wisdom would you impart on? Uh, someone who already seems like she's a very proficient writer oh, yeah. or something that would, uh, I know I'm to, intimidated uh, to even try to give her any advice because oh, come on, I th- <laughs> <laughs> we've built her up. 
She's on a pedestal. I know. There's always are something. You a, is the bundle There's, kid, Selena? I, I am. Yep, oh, so I am. You can tear her down. Greasy mouth and tear her, her down. down. <laughs> yeah, that's your yeah. just we built her up. Now <laughs> your turn to tear her down. No, so yeah, I read your piece. I didn't think it was that good. It's not only, <laughs> not only can you tear her down, it's your cultural obligation to do so. Yeah. Let's start in. Let's I, become a roast I, now. A, it's a roast. Sacred and holy. Don't you desecrate it. <laughs> yeah. I claim my black. Let the roast. I am not going to roast her. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, shoots. Honestly, I think when, when she was, t- I wished I could, so I hope, edit this out Shani but I wish I could have heard more about what you, what how you described writing for that project in Chicago because I yeah, think we missed it yeah sorry so you it, might have it was said good. This, I heard just, it. it was good I know I'm gonna have to go back and listen to our podcast but yeah I um that whole yeah, for once yeah okay now <laughs> no just listen. okay go ahead I'm only listening <laughs> to one episode there's some downloads from Missoula right on this yeah episode. yeah there is yeah, the thanks. Missoula downloads right now <laughs> Yes, she's claiming them all. It's about thirty-six of them. Is there any downloads from prior? That's what I want to know. Yeah, there's one actually. Oh, I, actually, I believe it's, it's Edgar. It's closer oh. to Edgar. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, we're way off. <laughs> okay, okay, get back on. Let's okay, get back on here. Writing intention, like just when you said I wrote that first part to my people, I just thought, yep, that's how I got through the whole first part of my proposal. Was I was writing it about not for? I mean, of course, I had to follow academic requirements but when I was writing it I was writing it more for me and my learning process and hoping you know one day because I was referencing Dr. Lanny Rilbert's dissertation all throughout and I without that I don't think I would have got through my own writing and so I just um when you said I wrote with intention I was writing for my people I was like yep and that's what we have to keep doing if we want to make this even worth it right because it's kind of well I'm not a writer so that whole process was torture for me um and so I really had to find that motivation and and it was like okay eventually one day somebody like me is going to be searching for research on Amzalaga people and they'll come across my dissertation and it will help them and that was my motivation it wasn't about you know getting into any kind of journal or anything like that. It was just about how can I give back to my community? Because that's the only reason I'm here. That's the only reason I'm pushing myself forward. So I, I don't know. I, that's not really advice for you, but it's just definitely. I I think it it is advice. I mean, what you're saying basically is use your own people as the barometer of your writing. And as long as you write, have that intention. I think your writing's always going to be good because I know for a fact the times that I didn't do that and I just wrote for something, like had to write a piece of a report or something. I mean, it was yeah. good. It was all right. Like it got by, but it didn't have what, <clears throat> like even my thesis is bad. Like when you read it, it's grammatically bad and it's arranged horribly, but I still, I love it because of how I put it together. And I feel like when my when I gave it to my dad or my uncles and stuff, they read it. They didn't say like, well, you should have put, you know, I before E, except, you know, <laughs> they didn't say anything <laughs> like that. They read it and they were like, <laughs> it just sparked conversation. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of was the intent. Mm-hmm. And and so I think what you're saying, Selena, without saying it, 
is is you just keep that as your I don't know as your motivation yeah as your yeah. writing motivation. yeah yeah it can really confirms it confirms what's what it sounds like what kind of motivates Jory to to continue to write and write to, to write well it sounds like and um, well Jory maybe yeah, you can share the PDF important. with everybody I, I don't know if you if are we allowed to do that yeah I can yeah, we can put the link. We can oh, put actually, the link with the. Oh no, right. I, I think we can put the link to the to the catalog on on the show notes. Yeah, we should do. Oh, yeah. We should do because all the support, all the yeah. proceeds, one hundred percent go to Little Bighorn College, which is a tribal college. So, um, we're all about supporting tribal institutions. So, yes, uh, yeah, uh, um, 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 support local business. Support, local support business, Indian yeah. owned businesses. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Local, 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 organic, cage-free, local, Indian. indigenous, indigenous support, <laughs> support, range, range, raised, cage-free, Crow Indian, organic, Crow Indian. Yeah, organic. yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, low carbon footprint, low, low, gluten-free households, gluten-free, non-blood. Diamond Crow Indians, <laughs> lactose free. Oh my god! <laughs> Hashtag almond milk. Wait, I have a, I have a topic that I wanted to talk oh, about. Thank you. you. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Rescued us. Rescued us. Okay. Cool. I was building up something, but let's hear. What, I want to hear what you got. Yes. Um. Oh. So I guess, uh, kind of just being, um like a growing scholar um i i mean we've all struggled with this probably of um, going away to school and then coming back to the res and that opportunity not being there housing whatever all whatever it may be um that prevents us from doing things um so that's a that's one thing that i've been struggling with um but I think another thing too is um, even just as an environmental scientist um, and trying to really promote um, sustainability. I mean, even this is a super complex conversation. Um, we could go on and on, um, but I think for specifically my tribe, um, we do mine coal. And so I always think about this of how I'm working to protect um, these water systems that we rely on uh, but we extract coal and so I I struggle with trying to promote um, renewable energy solar wind and like talk about these um, kinds of newer technologies with um, older folks at home like my kaga or my grandpa um, I try to talk to him about these things and he actually put the first solar panel up on a house on our reservation ever. So that was cool. And I was like, yes, but that it was still not fully supported the way I would like it to be. Or um, I just, I would really like to push that forward um, to start going into renewables and start to divest from uh, fossil fuels. Um, because even with the coal that we use, it's sent off to other states and overseas. Uh, we do get royalties from that, um, and it provides a, a set of um, income or revenue for my tribe. But um, we're still 
destroying the land. Um, yeah. And there's these old timers who made the decision um, to do this coal mine in the 70s. And uh, most of them are still in tribal leadership. But yet you have these younger generations. There's a lot of younger Upsalaga um, that I talk to um, who realize these things, too. But we just don't know how to have these conversations or um, or even go about them with people. So I just I don't know. That was I don't know if that's like completely off topic or whatever but that's just been something that's been on my mind lately is um how how do we maintain the fight within us to like speak about this with our people even though we like keep getting backlash um Mm. for this uh this piece of revenue that my tribe relies on so heavily um even though we have other avenues that we could take um to get money um to be independently economically independent and so that's just been something i've been thinking about for a while now and even um finishing up my phd and i want to go back home and i want to do these things i may not do it through the tribe but i could do it with working with Aaron or Nina or whoever, we have many other scholars and attorneys like Selena. We have people who are coming back who want to do these things. And how do we maintain that fight? Like being in school, but going home and getting this backlash. Mm-hmm. I think about that. Oh, sorry, that was a lot. No, that was good. Sorry. I think I yeah. think we all think yeah, about yeah. that a lot on our own for in our for our own communities I know with me it's for me it's hard because I've been in Missoula for so long and so to talk about it I almost kind of feel um like like a hypocrite although I do you know I do have I'm still connected to you know my family and my people and all that but it is it's a hard conversation to have right regardless of of our background because people get so used to knowing only knowing how to do something one way right and so that just that trying to bring new ideas into a, a system that already has all of these um, other issues that are challenging and then to bring in a new idea. And it's just like almost too much because sometimes I think we're, we're so, so much of the time we're just in survival mode that it's hard to, to think outside the box or to bring in new ideas and have people learn a new way of, of seeing the income from, you know, something that, my husband and I had that conversation a lot about all of the other natural resources that we have and why aren't we utilizing those. And, and again, I think you're right because so many of the people who um, developed the, the, I almost kind of feel like I'm talking about something I don't really know about right now, but the coal or that resource, like they're still around. And so there's, they're proud of that, right? They're proud of that development and it's, it's hard to, to see things in a new light. But I, I think the way we do that is we just keep having the conversations and maybe it's just me and you having that conversation. And then you talk to your auntie about it. And I talk to my brother about it. You know, we just keep having the conversations. And at some point we're going to get to a point. I know you and I have a, a, a age difference between us cause I'm your mother's age, but at some point we'll get to that point where we will be in those decision-making um, uh, positions, seats, positions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Or are somebody we're, we're closely related to will be in those decision-making um, positions and they'll consult with us. And it's just, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I feel like we shouldn't stop having them, but it doesn't mean that it's going to change overnight because the system that we're in has been in existence for 
so long. So I think it's important too, Selena, to to say to to address that this problem of renewable energy jewelry is a statewide problem with reservations. I think even Flathead kind of gets this um, um, perception that it's got it figured out, but the truth is, is there. I don't see renewable, you know what I mean? Every reservation is struggling with the idea of sustainable energy and renewable energy and, and other forms of income outside of the norm, you know, and it's a tough thing. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't have the, the question I'm in the same boat as Selena. Sometimes I feel like a hypocrite when I talk about crow matters, but I also feel like I have a stake in the game because that's just as much my land as, as the next crow. And I would never ever say that to somebody else that they don't have a say in crow land or mm-hmm. I, and sometimes yeah. I I've even heard the argument in other reservations where like, well, that person's not cultural, so they don't have, they shouldn't have a vote. It's like, wow. I mean, that's mm. a, t- you get into weird um, ground there are, are, hmm. you know, both my parents are Indian or, you know what I mean? Like it gets into like, so every res is going to have these arguments but I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing is the the game, the rules of the game change all the time for Indian people. So yes. we, we learn a set of rules and we get it figured out, then it changes. And and we're expected to make that change in the same level. So I think it's important as young scholars, because we're all pretty young yet in terms of learning, right? That we're learning on the outside, like we leave the res and we learn then we come back. But we have to remember that we learned in a system that knows the rules. You know, that, that the culture mm-hmm. that we were in learning and getting our education understands the rules. And in some instances, they're the people determining the rules. So now we go back mm-hmm. to the reservation. And, and a lot of times we're naive and ignorant to the fact that they, the, they're just, they're playing they're playing on the 1.0 and we're on the 2.0, you know, and we can't expect them to make that jump with us. So we have to be very patient about how we speak about things mm-hmm. and, and how we proceed, how we put ourselves out there. Cause you can come off sometimes as like, Oh, this guy acts like he knows everything, you know? And, and I know I do that. I know I do that. <laughs> and I'm working on it. But you're doing it now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it now. No, you're not. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I'm old enough now to realize that I do it. I'm aware of it. Um, so what I do now is when I talk about things like, hey, even just like, like convenience stores in every district of the reservation, I think that should be a priority that there should be groceries available in every district on the reservation. Now, if I say that, how I'm going to present that information to my relatives, to my peers is important because if I come out and just say, you know what we ought to do, guys? And then it will be like, what do you mean we, you know, like you're over there, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you make them a part of the decision-making process. And that's not a trick. That's just being like we're a group. Let's think of it as a group. What's sustainable? Yeah. What's realistic? And I think a lot of times Native people, they, they shoot – there's just I just thought of this. My grandmother Joy Burdenground used to say, um, "Reach f- for the stars and you'll catch the moon." And basically, meaning she's like, "You're gonna fail at getting the stars, 
But that's mm-hmm. the idea is that you may, sometimes you make things far enough out of reach that even if you fail, you still land on something great. And, and I think mm-hmm. for us, we have to make our goals somewhat realistic because a lot of crows have this idea of like, we're going to get rich. And a lot of native people have this, like, let's, yeah. what can we do yeah. to get rich? Well, that's not the goal. That's never even been my goal ever in my life has never yeah. been to be rich. It was just to be like, I just kind of want to have a good time in life and be, have as little yeah. stress as possible. So what's realistic. And I think that's what needs to be presented to native people in our state is what's realistic versus what's mm-hmm. attainable, what's not attainable, but what's realistic. Let's start with this. Cause even on flathead where things are fairly good economic, how many tribal businesses do I see? Not a lot. I've mm-hmm. never wanted, mm-hmm. I don't even know how many tribal gas stations are there. How many tribal restaurants are there? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we're still having issues here on Flathead that are age old as the ones in Crow and Northern Cheyenne and Fort mm-hmm. Washakie. And so, mm-hmm. so I think we should be realistic. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing, something attainable. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> For what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we, we feel like we live, we're, we're living in a place, but really when we think about it and we look at all these issues that you mentioned and everyone mentions, it feels like, you know, we're not really living. We're just kind of surviving, you know, and, you know, that's, that's the kind of the, the way that I feel that um, with, with my education, completing my doctorate was like, okay, I want to, I want to give these future students that I'm teaching an ability to live rather than just to survive. And to me, it started out with the values. Okay, how can I use the discipline of hydrology as a vehicle to teach young students to be honest and to be uh, accountable for for their for their work? That was really I use that as the as the vehicle. So then they can start elevating from just going day to day, just just making ends meet, to actually thriving, and then that hopefully would infect the the community in their, um, in whatever job they eventually had, you know, as a decision maker, hopefully. And then they would carry those traditional values to make the correct decisions. Of course, taking into account the reality of our situation. Mm -hmm. I think like what Aaron was saying, we live in a reality that's not, it's not the romantic idea of going back to some old way. We just can't do that anymore, but we sure can reimagine a way that's like that given our own reality. And that's, that's kind of what I think when you ask that question, you know, how do we promote this new way of living that's uh, aligned with our values? Um, but I'd be interested in, in Brenda, what, what is your take on that? I, I want to know what you think about what she said. What she said about, um, Oh God, sorry. I zoned out guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree with her. I think that she's really inspirational for her age and the things that um, she's accomplished so far. And I think that the audience that this particular podcast is targeting is those students that are still in college. And, um, you know, when you guys were discussing like what motivates her to write and what makes her a good writer. And she reflected back to herself and her community. Um, That's really good information because I feel like a lot of students write just to appease that particular project. You know, they just do it to do it. And um, that's really kind of sucky, but a lot of people just wing it and they do it and they're trying to get all of the, 
citations correct and the formation and all of that stuff because that's what a lot of places want you to focus on. And so when she said, you know, I, I, I write for myself, I write for my people, that's pretty genuine, you know, and then for it to be relevant to a specific field, to her degree, to her profession, you know, that's a powerful combination. Um, And so I really liked that. She, that was really inspirational for me because I'm still going to school. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. And so that is going to stick with me. And so this conversation is really going to hold. And and as for like renewable resources and um, that, that kind of issue, I, I feel like the change is happening. You know, a lot of the old timers that are set in the fossil fuel generation, and that destruction, I think that's slowly fading out. And I feel like the people that are coming up to these positions are more focused on the land, you know, and taking care of it and loving our mother or whatever, you know. Um, And for people to, I feel like, what do I feel like? I just feel like, I don't know, you guys. <laughs> just, you're like, you're like, I like, I like, you're like, like who do I feel like? I, 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 just, I just feel like environmental <laughs> science is a booming thing, you know, and more people are becoming more aware of the issues, you know, and of course there's always like tribal lands, you know, in our reservation and we're sovereign and we have the ability and the capability to tend to it the way we want. Our flyhead res, not so much, you know, because we're just too many cultures and whatever. That's a whole different thing. So, um, but I do, I feel like it's an upcoming thing and people are really starting to be more aware of it. And I think that over time, it's going to become easier and easier and easier for people to stand up and say, hey, there's other options. So I, I don't know. Yeah. This upcoming generation is really going to make some moves, I feel like. And change is never easy. You know, but as those positions change and other people with degrees come in, the mentality changes. And so it becomes easier, I feel like. So I I don't know. Change change is tough. I think I don't think enough people give enough credence to like change is hard for anybody. Try taking your kid's iPad away and see what happens. (laughs) I mean, change is tough. Change is tough. So, um, but I think Brenda's right. I think uh, there is, there seems to be, there seems yeah. to be a, a shift though, because now it's a conversation mm-hmm. where before yep. it wasn't even a thing. People yep. didn't even talk about it, you yeah. know, like people. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, yeah. People. Yeah. I I even heard crow people try to justify it in the creation story that we can do with the land as we please, and and I'm like, That's, mm. that says nothing about coal mining, so. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I know I even hear people joke around, you know, and it's I mean, I think that people that don't have higher education and are still kind of trying to figure that part out, you know, they joke around about like browning in the wind and having wind panels, you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and just things like that. So I think that people are thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, because you're actually right. Because even the yeah. fact that it's in the humor is mm-hmm. something because it was yeah. never it was never even a thing. People mm-hmm. never even talked about it mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's happening. The change so is happening. happening. It's happening. 
sometimes in team roping, they say you got to slow down to be fast. And I think sometimes we, we want things to be quicker than they are, but you got to like yeah. relax a little bit, you know, like it's going to happen. It will happen. Uh, cause we're going to completely use it all up. So <laughs> there's at least that. <laughs> <laughs> Settle, settle down, Craig Cameron. Oh, settle right down. On down. Settle down. <laughs> hey, he was at my house the other day. I, I seen that. <laughs> I remember one of his episodes. <laughs> he's talking small about town. I seen that. He's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. Breaking out a new cult. You gotta slap him. You just slap him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. I know. No, yeah, yeah. You got to slap him sometimes. You got to slap him. You got to slap him. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be our guys. approach. Yes. Yeah. Clarify that. Are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about horses. Yeah. We're talking about horses. Yeah. Not people. You don't slap people. That's wrong. Oh, my God, you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't promote slapping so we, of people. We kind of took over the conversation, but that's all right. I mean, that's that was a good question. It's a valid question. Well, and I think, I uh, think Jory you know, us just now. She did. She did. Yeah, I feel like that's that reverse psychology. That's yeah. Perfect. We're going to put her as the host, us uh, as guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty good. Well, you know, I, I, I think what I'm interested in is, is, is having you back on as a guest again, maybe after you start your research, um, maybe in a, um, next year sometime and just do a follow up, or maybe even sooner. I think you got some, I think you got some good things uh, that younger, uh, the younger generation that's just kind of grinding through that undergrad and, you know, nothing, I don't know what Brenda was saying about the citation, nothing kills an undergraduate education or a paper you're writing, like getting your citations nitpicked. And I see that at, oh, man. where I teach and it's just horrible. It and is. It's ridiculous. Like, what, what's the, why, why? I mean, it's important to know that, but the, does it really, you really have to have 10 correctly cited citations. So I, I don't know. Cami, I do. We, do we have to have 10? <laughs> you know, oh, right? Get me in trouble. It's here. important to know. You're really yeah. I know, yeah. It, How many important faculty do you think listen to okay. our podcast? So I'm not really going to be in trouble at all. That's what you're saying. <laughs> 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 That'd be funny. Well, if we I don't know. Emails. Yeah. If we get a bunch of emails, I'll be like, okay, I, I, yeah. I stand yeah. correct. Yeah. You guys are going to have to take that podcast um, But for a Polish now. audience, yeah. they would like to know. But the, they want to know about the, yeah, my book report on Poland. Yeah. So anyway. I got a quick okay. question though for Jory. I know okay. you probably want Let's to. Quick question, then then we'll wrap. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. Throughout your education, your academics, especially grad, or your undergrad and up, when was the first time? Because I know this happened. It, it happens to. Um, when you're young and writing, you'll like write something and you'll be like, yeah, when I want to know the first time you did that. And then it just got destroyed and you were like hurt by it. <laughs> like, I want to know, cause I can yeah. remember when I wrote something and I was like, me yeah, too. yeah. Me and too. then they destroyed it. And I was like, yes. is this how it's going to be? <laughs> it hurt deep. It's a deep. So hurt. when was, when was that time? Um, I would have to say it was my well, in retrospect, my writing wasn't very good <laughs> back then, but then I thought yeah. it was the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so when I submitted this paper, because I, this was probably like my 
fifth or sixth paper I had written in that class. It was my writing, freshman writing class. And um, my writing wasn't very good. It, I mean, it just, it was not, I know for a fact, but I worked really hard because I knew writing was going to be a huge part of literally everything that I do. Um, and so it was probably that like fifth paper and I submitted it to uh, my professor, but we had a TA in the class too. And each student had to meet with the TA weekly. And um, I can't remember exactly what I wrote my paper on. I believe it was on a book, Um, but I submitted it and um, I had gotten a good grade. I think I got like a B or B plus on it. And I was just like super happy, but I went to my weekly meeting with my TA and my TA shredded that paper <laughs> apart like shredded it like we, we sat there in that meeting we had and he, we went through every single sentence and I was like what like Jeez. I didn't know that was possible but okay like that's cool so it was like I left the meeting and my paper was just like had all kinds of red marks all over it like a and murder scene I was like okay but like the thing about it was I had already gotten the grade so I was like, what am I supposed to do with these? <laughs> like, I already have the grade. So I was like, I already, I already got a B plus. So I just kind of left those comments. I was like, okay, whatever. You do you, homie. I could see a freshman being like, well, I got a B. So what does he know? The paper was bad. <laughs> 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 so that was the first time I had a piece of writing really ripped up by someone. Definitely had more experiences, um, but not as bad. <laughs> hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think we've all had those. Yeah, pretty rugged, <laughs> pretty rugged feeling. Yeah, we're, yeah, we have to communicate in such an odd, odd way. You know, this English way is so foreign to a lot of people, you know, and when we try our best and get well, shot outside down, of academics who communicates through writing. Yeah. You well, know, it's not a poets. thing people do other than, <laughs> other than prison inmates and pen pals, you know, like, well, that's a significant population. <laughs> grossly too high and, uh, more people in prison today in the U S and the entire world. Um, but that's a different and Native Americans represent a <laughs> yes, uh, significant proportion of that high population. So, yeah. Oh, so God. be a little more. I make a joke around these people. Yeah. They're too trendy. I know. They know all we the are. hashtags. <laughs> so, um, so I guess to kind of get get us going on uh, our, our wrap up here, you know, I'd like um, I'd like to hear what what sort of advice you would have to any um native scholars out there that are struggling to finish their undergraduate or maybe they're considering uh, going to graduate school that's kind of away from their homelands or maybe they're right at the end and they can see the end in sight and they're just having that burning desire to go home. What What is uh, some words of advice you would give to those uh, struggling native scholars out there that are just just need that extra push? Yeah, so I... Um, my friend, uh, she told me something. I I deal a lot with imposter syndrome and intimidation, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure we all do in this academia world. And so, I um, I was super scared. I was trying to get a panic attack, and I was like freaking out because I had mm-hmm. to do a presentation. 
And she told me um, it had it was on my research and some um, other topics that I had to do. But um, I was getting really scared because I was thinking, okay, I'm speaking in front of these scientists, like these people know so much. And yeah, so I was really, really intimidated and anxious. Uh, but she told me, um, she said, she was like, just speak. You already know. You already know what you want to do. She said, everything that you're learning in school, she was like, those are things that you can learn. She was like, you come from people and you come from a land where you have inherent teachings that we're, we're not learning in books. And she was like, you have everything you need within you that people other than like indigenous people aren't able to do. Um, mm. We can learn all their knowledge. We can open up a math book. We can learn these formulas. We could learn this chemistry. We could learn all of these things. But what we know as indigenous people with the land that we come from, not everyone can do that. So we we have this, we hold this inherent um, power and like knowledge within us um, that not everyone has. And so that really resonated with me and kind of brought me back and calmed me down because she was right. Everything that I'm learning that I was presenting on, these were things that I could read in a book and I could learn, but there was also aspects to things that the audience didn't know, but I knew and I was able to just speak on. And so I would encourage everyone, um, especially native scholars, scholars um, to do your best not to compare yourself um, to others. Mm. I do that yes, a lot. Yes, yes, um, yes. Especially with other other scholars in my program um there's a not many indigenous scholars but um you're more than likely going to be one of the few um so don't compare yourself to others this is your journey as much as we try to compare and talk ourselves down um, we can't do that there's already a system set in place to bring us down and we can't do that job for them so be kind to yourself um, don't compare yourself to others and just uh, forgive yourself when you need it and to just keep pushing forward. Mm. Yes. Thank Excellent you. Advice. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you again. You know, we appreciate you taking the time and um, we hope you, um, we hope you have a chance to come back and uh, visit us hopefully in person next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode and to learn more, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at IRCSKC. You can find us also on Facebook and YouTube by searching SKC Indigenous Research Center. You can also visit our website at irc.skc.edu. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our discussions on Indigenous research, Indigenous research methodologies, and Indigenous worldviews. views.